Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the beautiful studios of Relate365.com in the beautiful Northwoods of Wisconsin where there once was no snow, then there was snow again, and pretty soon there'll be no snow again. I think we're on our second or third winter. I think so. Yeah. And it's always winter, never Christmas. Sounds familiar. Yeah, somebody said that. <laughs> I don't know who. Let's give credit to somebody, though. That's he right. Sa- he says a lot. I think that was C.S. Lewis. Oh, was it? it? I don't know. In Narnia. Wasn't that a... Oh, yeah, maybe it was. I think that's a Narnia quote. Yeah, do you ever get to where you can quote all kinds of things but can't remember where it came from? Uh, all the time. Yeah, so <laughs> I've had messages before where I've gone and given them, and I've told people, you know, I stole everything I'm telling you. There you go. Everything that I'm saying I got from somewhere else, I'm going to either read the Bible to you and say things, and I got it from reading. I cannot remember where, sorry, but none of it's original. <laughs> there was somebody who should cover you. Yeah, there, there's somebody who's a copyright person that told me that's not going to cover it. I said, well, you know what? Go find who they are and sue me. I, I have no idea who I'm quoting. <laughs> Uh, in life at my age, you've read a lot of things and heard a lot of things. And, and you're saying, you know, somebody once said, you know, um, this, and you quote them, and you have no idea who somebody was. So That's at right. least you're admitting that somebody else said it. That's true. It's a step in the right direction. I yeah. Think. Now, in 100%. this age of praise me, I guess you got to find out who it is and praise them, because if I just would mention their name, then they then everything would work out just dandy. I can't remember all the time, so sorry. And that's okay. So if anyone out there is listening and they say, you stole that from C.S. Lewis, for example. Um, I like C.S. Lewis. He's a great guy. Read all of his books. Go buy all of his books. Yeah. Okay. I've endorsed him. There you go. And I probably did get something from him that I'm using that I don't even know. (laughs) So do do you think there's anything actually new anyway that people learn? Uh, I think there's different ways people can say it. Yeah. I, there are, but do you really learn something new? I mean, I'm not talking about new like um, computer stuff. Okay. I mean, that wasn't around when I was a kid, so obviously it's new. new. Yes. Uh, that's not a principle. That's kind of a like a tire on a car. You know, I mean that at one point was new. You yeah. Know, and you put air in it, that's new. And so there are new things in life. But I'm mm-hmm. wondering if the important lessons of life are ever new. I would say I would say no because the principle behind everything is the same. Right. You know, that's how I mean even when we read the Bible you look for the principles that haven't changed that we apply. You know, when you talk about application it's saying, "All right, how do I take what they're saying there and apply it to now?" Right. Because it's the same carryover. And that that's what would be new. Right. So the the application itself might be new, but the principle behind it is right. constant. If that makes any sense. Yeah, so people who are trying to find something new in the scriptures to teach so that they could be known for this new and exciting thing, I think you're wasting your time. Right, right. And you could say it even outside of scripture, you know, say weight loss. Right. The principles are the same. Right. At some point, whatever diet you're on, you're going to either have to watch what you eat and exercise. Right. You know, right. <laughs> the way you do it, the trendy way might be different, whether right. it's nowadays what keto and Whole30 or whatever, but... In the 90s, it was Atkins and who knows what, you know, but the principle was the same. It's like you need to, at some point, watch what you're doing. But what if I told you that this worked for me? That's and, great. And then you try it and it doesn't work for you. Am I a liar? No. No, because all bodies are different. That's right. See, that's part of the principle. Yep. I mean, the principle is my metabolism is like zero. 
I, I don't know. If, I, don't I even can know, relate. I don't know how they rate metabolisms. <laughs> However, if they rated it on a, on a scale of one to 10, mine's at a zero. There you go. I honestly, for, you know, at breakfast today, I had um, a couple spoons of yogurt and that I put fruit in and uh, a banana. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's good. And now I won't eat till supper. <laughs> See, and that's where they'd probably say that's probably not good. Well, I, I'm not hungry. Yeah. And I don't use it. And right. I'm not losing weight. Yeah. I'm, my metabolism's at zero. Yeah. I'm telling you, if I do eat three meals a day, I would be a two-ton Tessie. A Tessie? A Tessie, a two-ton one. I'm not sure what a Tessie is. Me but... neither, but it rhymed. <laughs> two-ton Tessie. Yeah. So in that case, you're going to look it up. I'm going to, yeah. Your I'm... generation has a problem. You can't say anything without you looking it up online. <laughs> I'm just seeing, you know, what, what it might not be. I don't even know how to spell Tessie. I don't know. Anyways, I don't yeah. think it is anything, unfortunately. I was hoping it was going to be like some sort of no, something, but it's, it's not. something that rhymes. Well, I'll give you that. Yeah. So um, anyway, what what's interesting to me is as I get older is the more that I learn, the more I see that things have stayed the same. Yeah. And the most important things in life that were most important to Adam and Eve are most important to us. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed. So the battle between Satan and man happened in the garden, and it's happening now. And the battle is the same. He tries to get us to doubt what God has said. He tries to get us not to listen. He tries to separate us from God. And that's been going on since man was created. Right. So nothing's really changed. So if we really want to learn how to live life, we should probably get back in the Bible and realize what the principles are and live by them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now's, now's the best time to do it. It is. We got plenty of time. That's right. That's all we got. It might not be quiet in the house, but you got plenty of time. That's right. Well, you know, the other thing is, I I think a lot of times what happens is we have a struggle listening to God because we don't understand why he says what he says. Yeah. Or we don't understand what he did through history. So let me ask you this. You have three boys. I do have three boys. What are their ages? Uh, Six, almost four, and two. All right. So everything you ask them to do, they understand why you ask them. No. (laughs) <laughs> do you have a desire that they would understand why? Yes. Are they capable of understanding why? Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> those yes. are right answers. <laughs> I mean, those are right answers. I mean, yeah. you know, I told this story so many times, so all those who listen regularly, forgive me, but, you know, when my daughter was about two years old and, and she, I told her not to go in the street and because she died, she didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. And I just looked at her funny like, no, you'll die. You won't be here. You'll they will be deceased. And she looked at me like, no, I won't, Daddy. I, yeah, I know. You don't know what I just said. <laughs> I said, you won't be here anymore. She goes, oh, I'll be here. I said, okay, fine. So then I said, okay. So I painted a white line at the edge of my driveway at the very before it went out on the street. And I said, if you cross that line, you're getting a spanking. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> that was understandable. Yeah, that was understandable. That, so, that registered, that yeah. clicked in the head. That's right. So my problem at the beginning was I was trying to explain something to her that she couldn't grasp. Yeah. So eventually what I had to do was pull my dad card and just say, pretty much, Sarah's her name, pretty much, Sarah, I'm bigger than you. Yeah. So I can control you. And you know I love you. I mean, I don't have to say that to her. She knows I love her. She yeah. knows I'm... So if you go cross that line, I'll spank you. Mm-hmm. So she didn't. She would go up to the line, turn around, come back. One day we're walking over to camp, and, and uh, 
we saw a fresh roadkill. I think it was a chipmunk squirrel something. I can't mm-hmm. remember now what it was. And I pointed to it, and I said, see that squirrel? Yeah. It played in the street. And she goes, oh. Click. Yeah. yeah. So my job wasn't completed by just telling her don't. You know, if still, she she's, you know, in her 30s. So if she was still not leaving the driveway because of the white line. There would be some issues. Yeah, there were some real issues. <laughs> but that's no longer the case. You know, from that day on, she actually would stop at the edge of the driveway, look both ways a couple times hmm. because she understood the penalty would be like that squirrel. Yeah. Now, again, at the beginning, she didn't have to understand it. So I want to encourage you and other young people to realize you don't have to understand everything God says. Mm-hmm. He's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. He's older than you, smarter than you, loves you, could trust him. I mean, get to the point where you get in the habit of listening to him. Yeah. And wait for him to reveal why later. And you'll, you won't be sorry, I promise you. You will not be sorry that you listened. And you won't be sorry that um, you trusted that he had a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I, as you know, run a, a club for kids, third grade to sixth grade at our church. And almost every week when we walk in, I, ask the, I shout to the kids, you know, do you have to understand God in order to obey him? And they always shout back, no. It's one of those principles I want them to understand. Mm-hmm. You cannot wait till you understand God right. before you obey him. And every child is in that position, and every parent is in that position. And uh, the thing that's different about God, obviously, is that he's not human, so he'll never abuse his power. Mm-hmm. Um, parents might. They might just get frustrated and not want to explain things to their kids and say, just do it because I'm dad or mom and whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily what I'm advocating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm advocating that you love your kids, and there's a point where you say, it doesn't really matter whether you understand me or not, you're going to listen. Mm-hmm. And I want you to practice that because it's a great principle for the rest of your life. Yeah. Because there's always God. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, so that's my exhortation to all those that are listening and have young children is to train them well in the idea that they don't have to understand to obey. Hmm. And you will be training them uh, to follow God then as well. Yeah. Um, because really, sometimes his ways are mysterious. Um, I was reading today, though. You might like this illustration, you might not. Okay. Um, David, he wrote some very interesting things in the Psalms. And I was reading how he was praising God, and I'm amazed at how he praises God. Uh, because of the troubles that were always seeming to follow him. Mm. Um, being a king is kind of like being president of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Think, I don't think I would choose to be president either. No, I, you know, that's not a job that most of us would aspire to. I know when I was a kid, it was like you could grow up to be president. If somebody told me that now, I'd say, why would I want to do that? Right. All they do in Washington is fight and yeah. argue and bicker and whatever. Um, but David was a king. And if you think things were a lot different back then, they weren't. Hmm. People that were in charge, like kings, uh, in front of them, just like probably our president, there were a bunch of yes men and yes women mm-hmm. because they wanted favor with the king. Yeah, Behind their back, uh, they were, they, or if they were already enemies of the king, they were 
real pains you know, mm-hmm. to be around. And so David lived that, but, but he would write psalms of praise. Yeah. And, you know, I encourage people. I would, I would get into the scriptures and read Psalm 102, 103, 104, 105. Mm-hmm. I would read those psalms and just look and see this is David praising God in a very concrete way. Yeah. And it's coming from his heart. Um, while I was reading that, I thought, you know, his praise is, it, you know, David was a harpist. Yeah. And um, I, you ever see someone play harp? Mm-hmm. It's very complicated to me. Yeah, it looks very complicated. How many strings are even on a harp? I do not know. A lot. Why is it shaped like it is? More than I get, uh, I don't know. Maybe because that's how angels' arms are and they have to fit around them or something. Okay. Uh, don't angels play harps? Sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought as a it kid. is an interesting shape. I wonder why. It maybe, yeah. This, maybe because of the the sound, the length, and the sound needed for it. Yeah. Now, normally the the um, strings are made of some kind of gut. Really? Yeah, woven gut. Now today they're probably nylon, but back a lot of times, um, strings for violins and whatever were actually gut. I mean, animal gut hmm. of some sort that were put into. Now, as far as I understand. Pamphlet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, pamphlet. <laughs> if, you, if you listen to our show before, Dave is expressing pamphlet knowledge, I am, which means I am. he read it somewhere, probably, maybe. Yeah, and I don't even know who to credit. <laughs> uh, but I, what I pictured is is the this David's harp at this point in these psalms was not um, a real harp, but it was his heart was the harp, and all of the strings were woven together from his gut experiences. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these strings in a harp, and, and you have them woven together of experiences of life, and they go in a specific order in the harp. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to sit down with a harp and start strumming on it, you'd probably think, stop, please, because I, I would drive you nuts. Yes, there's a good significant chance of that. Yeah, uh, your kids might do the same if they pick up an instrument at this point and start banging on it. They do that. Yeah, and so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. However, if I would understand how each of the strings were meant to be, Mm -hmm. and a master like God or a master harpist would teach me what I do with those strings, then at the end I could take something that seemed very complicated and make something very beautiful out of it. Mm. And... I could actually do it where people would be awed by it. Yeah. And I think that's, if you read Psalm 102, 3, 4, and 5, I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the harp of the heart. Mm-hmm. And and he's going to be taking the experiences of life and playing this harp. Yeah. And I, the question that I think young people should ask is, how do you get to the point where he's at? Mm-hmm where the details of life are something you thank God for and praise God for. Mm-hmm. Because really, you can't control a lot of things. Right. So you're stuck with certain details. And um, and this could be an interesting time to talk about who's responsible for the details mm-hmm. of life. For example, um, let's say you were born into a home, it's an abusive home. You know, are you responsible for that? No. No, you're just there. Yeah. Does God know you're in that situation? Yeah. But you're there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, 
how come God doesn't just stop the abuse? Do you have any idea? It's because it, you know, it pushes you to be stronger. Well, it does. And to rely on him. It does. Plus, he's a God of love, and, and yeah. that may confuse people. Right. And people might not get that. Yeah, well, love, if you go back and you trace back all the way to Adam and Eve, yeah, love is one of those principles, and love always demands choice. You can't force somebody to love you. Yeah. So think of it this way. If, if God would force parents who are abusive to stop being abusive and love him, mm-hmm. then the love that they express would be meaningless. Mm-hmm. And so there is no love then. Yeah. And if, if you and I have real choice, and we do, we, we really do have real choice. And if we have real choice, it means that we have real consequences. Mm-hmm. So if I decide um, right now to beat my head on the wall here in the studio, I will probably get a headache. Yeah. Now, I could beat my head on the wall all day long and ask God not to give me a headache. I could do that. And I think God would say, quit beating your head on the wall and your headache will go away. Mm-hmm. I made you to make choices. You're making the choices, and there's consequences to the choices. And because the choice is real, there's consequences, mm-hmm. and the consequences will involve you and everyone else. And, and the reason they'll involve other people is because if I do that to my head, I am affecting the workers here at Silver Birch Ranch who have to fix the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm affecting my wife who has to put up with me in convalescence. I, you know, I'm, I'm affecting people by my decisions. Now, if you remember what Jesus said, he said, the most important thing in life is to love the Lord your God. Okay, and then he defines that. He says, just obey him. And we talked about that. You don't have to understand it. You need to obey him. Mm-hmm. And then he says to love one another. Well, part of loving one another is realizing that my choices today affect the people in my life. Yeah. So I need to realize that. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't affect the people in my life, there'd be no such thing as love. Mm. So unfortunately, if I'm going to be an idiot, my children will pay the price. Yeah. And what hopefully will happen is that along the way, I will teach them how to repent. I will teach them how to change. I will learn what it is to love them, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And if I do that, that could be a good example for me. If not, then hopefully someone from the outside can start pointing them to the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did you grow up in a Christian family? I did. Okay. And um, I did too. And my dad did not. Mm-hmm. He grew up in the kind of family I just described. It was an abusive family. Mm. You know, his dad was a, I understand, I don't really touch alcohol, but I understand there's good alcoholics and bad alcoholics. Uh, those who, in other words, at, when they're drunk, they are kinder and nicer and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And there's those that are abusive sure. And when they're drunk. And my grandpa was uh, abusive while he was drunk mm-hmm. um, and really was very abusive. And it, during the time, I mean, that, these are, you know, depression times and um, all kinds of things that really went very bad. He was an inner city Chicago kid and street kid. Uh, so he grew up really kind of rough. Yeah. But you and I are sitting in a place that's a product of somebody who was able to understand God's love at an early age and change the whole course of his family. Yeah. In fact, 
when he became a believer, a, an older lady invited him to Sunday school, and he went and eventually became a believer, and the people of that church, the uh, pastor and youth pastor mentored him as his dad. Mm-hmm. And eventually he led his sisters to Christ, his little sisters. To this day, when I have talked to his sisters, they tell me that my dad was actually their dad, that their real dad was too abusive. Mm. That my dad used to wait for his drunk dad, which was my grandpa, to come home and meet him outside so he wouldn't hurt his sisters. And he would wrestle him outside because he was a violent man. Mm-hmm. And when his dad would pass out, he would take him upstairs, wipe the vomit off him, and put him to bed. Hmm. My dad actually went out and got five paper routes so that he could help feed the family. Wow. So he guarded his sisters. He used to buy his sister's clothes for him, so he got made fun of for that because he was buying dresses for his sisters. Mm-hmm. And he eventually was somebody who was used of God to help start the Iwana Youth Association, was a pastor, started this ministry that we're a part of, and spent really most of his life trying to start ministries that would help young people. Mm-hmm. Because he saw the potential in changing a life. Yeah. Now, everything I said doesn't say that his circumstances were such where it worked well for him. Right. It's the opposite. His circumstances were such that he could have looked to God and say, why did you do this to me? Mm-hmm. You're not a God that's loving because my life doesn't see it. When in reality, it was because his father chose to ignore God. And if you choose to ignore God, you're going to spread pain to everybody that you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that people need to focus on their personal responsibility to know God and to love him and to express that to the people in their life and do it in a way where we're gracious to them as they grow and develop. Yeah. Because everybody's in a process, um, you might say. So I don't know who's listening to us today, but I would venture to guess there are people in less than ideal situations. Mm -hmm. And if you're the one causing the less than ideal situation, stop it. You need to come to God, and you need to understand what you should be doing and get right with God and enjoy him and begin to enjoy the people around you, or you're going to cause misery for generations. Yeah. And if you're somebody stuck in a situation that's not the best, that happens right. because every human is sinful. Look for those doing it right. Mm-hmm. Now, that's part of the reason we love camping, by the right. way. Tell us what happens um, Jason, to a kid who comes to camp, what is their experience like, and and how do they experience, hopefully, a positive adult example? You know, one of the things that, that we love about camp is it, it kind of takes you away from the, the busyness of everyday life. You know, we're right here on the edge of the Nicolay National Forest. Um, a lot of people's cell phones don't work up here, which I think is amazing. Yep. Um, and it allows people to unplug and really enjoy relationships, which... You know, as we talk about going back in in scripture, you know, you look at the beginning, God designed us for relationship. You look at Adam and Eve, and he designed that relationship. And when sin entered the world, that broke that relationship. Yep. 
And so being able to take students away and, and take some distractions away so they can interact with people and even have the space then to, to listen to God, because I think oftentimes in our world, we don't allow God to speak into our lives because we keep ourselves too busy. Mm-hmm. And so part of what we do in camping ministry is we, we provide the space for people to slow down, to enjoy God's creation, and to be able to listen. Right. And that's that's where then relationships take off, and that's where we see hundreds of young people every summer give their life to God because they're able to meet with God, um, get to know God um, on a regular basis while they're up here for a week or even Absolutely. just a weekend. I mean, yeah. it's amazing how quickly they can connect when all the distractions are taken away, and that's the amazing thing about camping ministry. And it doesn't necessarily have to be camping ministry. We just do the the hard things for you, right? You know, um, you could do the same thing at home. You just have to be a lot more intentional to unplug, and to make the space yep. to see God around you. Because we all have parks near us. We can all go for a walk. We can all get into God's creation, um, and be intentional about that. But when you come up to camp, it's done for you, you yep. know. Uh, which I think a, a lot of people look forward to. You know, even as I hear of of our men's and women's retreats, it's the same principle as we talk about principles. This show. Yep. Um, a lot of men say, I just can't wait to get up and just kind of put, put the, the busyness of life to the side and sit around a campfire and just be there, Yeah, you know, and same for the women, you know, they do different things, but, um, I think it's a principle that's not only just for our young campers, but everybody who comes up here, there's the same idea of, man, it's just a refuge spot. And you ask why, and I think that's what they're getting at, is it, it, it exposes that principle of being able to, to pause and listen and to be with God. Absolutely. You know. And that, you know, significant adult relationships apart from mom and dad are very important in a kid's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're designed to do that. And you don't have to come to camp to do that. You can do that at home. You can sit around a fire, and I encourage you to. And don't have an agenda. Sit around a fire and say the agenda is to look at the fire and to talk to one another. Yeah, absolutely. And and see where it goes. The first mm-hmm. time you do it, everyone's going to be weirded out because normally you have to have an agenda. Yeah. But have no agenda other than sitting and talking to each other around a fire for an evening. Mm-hmm. If you can do a fire. If some of you are in a high rise, you're not going to do that. Uh, I want to uh, close our time. I, we're getting toward the end here with Psalm 102, 15 to 18. I want to read this. Nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. God is saying very clearly, those people who feel like it's hopeless, come to me. I'm not hopeless. Mm-hmm. I, I can help you in life if you will come to me. Yeah. And that's all that God is asking. Come to him. Yeah. And as you come to him, you'll see that he loves you, he's provided for you, and he will provide for you if you allow him to. It's our responsibility, so come to him. Absolutely. And, and that might be a question that you're asking, especially in the midst of all this COVID-19 chaos. You know, you might just be asking some of the questions that we ask, but, and that's why we wanted to talk about this principle, you know, is that we can rely on God even in the midst of the circumstances because God doesn't change. Um, and so I encourage you, you know, if you, if you just need some encouragement, I, I, encur- <laughs> I encourage you, I used encouraged a lot there, but head on over to relate365.com where you can 
listen to other episodes that we've talked about and, and just get encouraged and, and do something about it. Uh, as you're sitting at home, there's, there's plenty to do, or even if you just need a break from, from the, the kids being chaotic around the house, you know, just take a moment and be still before God and just say, all right, God, help me to lean on you. Give me the strength just to take it one day at a time. Um, but we thank you for joining us and we thank you for checking us out. And from Jason and Dave here on Younger and Older, we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.